This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast for the week of Monday the 19th of December. I'm your host Russell Hargreaves. Coming up on this week's show, Kieran Gibbs talks about being handed the captain's armband for the first time. We also remember a great moment in the career of the one and only Ian Wright. Adrian Clark is back with another edition of The Chalkboard. We kick off by looking back at the weekend's action with our intrepid duo of Nick Bromsack and Dan Roebuck. When the match is over, they're still talking. Right, but what are you doing? What do you mean, what am I doing? What are you doing? Sitting here at 8.45, waiting for you. Well, you know, I'll get out. It's the Weekend Review with Dan Roebuck and Nick Brumsack. Well, before we look back at the weekend, let's have a quick reminder of what happened last Tuesday at Goodison Park. There's some tension amongst the Emerson fans. Alexis Sanchez will go for goal here. It's taken a deflection and it's gone in. And Arsenal have the lead through their main man, Alexis Sanchez. Yeah, Ashley Williams there, just uh, can't believe it. But uh, yeah, not quite sure if uh, Stecklenburg probably would have would have got that quite comfortably. It wasn't, wasn't the greatest of free kicks, to be fair, but uh, it's ended up in the back of the net and 1-0 uh, Arsenal. The ball out wide here to Baines. Comes inside Walcott. Baines with his right foot. That's a great delivery, and Everton have equalised. Seamus Coleman, the right back, was unmarked, and we're 1-1. There's another header, and this time it's in from Ashley Williams. And Everton have turned this around. Credit Everton, to be fair, they've, they've, they've looked promising in the, in the second half. They've taken the game to Arsenal. Really, you could say the warning signs were there. Oh, frustration there for the Gunners, having taken the lead. Nick and Dan alongside me. And Dan, we'll go to you first. That The first of two setbacks. Uh, we'll focus there. And that Seamus Coleman goal really changed the momentum of that match, didn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and the timing of the goal, I think, killed the Gunners uh, as well. But having said that, I didn't think Everton played particularly well. They didn't have to. Arsenal were, unfortunately, under par on the night. Um, very, very disappointing to go in front. Everton, we know. We're in poor form. I think they won just one of their previous nine or ten or something like that. Ronald Koeman was under pressure. And the Everton fans got on the Everton team straight away. Lots of nervousness at the back. Certainly from Ashley Williams, who's had a 
shocker of the first 15 minutes. Obviously, ended up scoring the winner, his first goal for Everton. But I thought that Everton went out for the taking. When you're a goal to the good, it was hugely frustrating uh, to see his peg back and then eventually lose the game. And uh, it was a really frustrating and disappointing night all round. And also, just while we're on that, Dan, um, what do you feel... It was. I know it's very hard to put one specific finger on it, but losing the momentum, the impetus in that game, and it, it happened very quickly, the momentum shift, I felt, watching the match. Yeah, it did, and it's difficult to put your finger on it. Ronald Koeman said after the game that we just got in Arsenal's faces a bit more. We were a bit more aggressive. We took the game to them, uh, and that's true. There was a bit of a running battle between Ross Barkley and Granit Xhaka for much of the game. He was niggly, he was pushing, he was pulling, he was fouling. And they did get into Arsenal's faces and maybe they just realised that Arsenal were a little bit timid into the second half and they scored when they did just before the break. And you just felt that maybe Arsenal backed off a bit too much and didn't match Everton for physicality. And you've got to earn the right to players, all co-commentators tell me, you know, and then your quality comes through. And maybe we were just back down a little bit and that momentum shift was crucial. And then they got the chance late on. And um, wasn't great that we've seen us um, concede for a corner. I think that was the first time this season that we have done. We switched off a little bit. Two headers from Everton defenders. There's a lot of question marks there, I thought. And yeah, it was just a, a wholly disappointing evening on Merseyside. And Nick, in light of what Dan's just said there, reviewing the match and, and what kind of went wrong, do you feel... There's an excessive backlash, an excessive reaction, saying that maybe we're looking at the same old frailties of Arsenal that we've seen in years and maybe months gone by? Perhaps. I, th I think it, looking at the, the Manchester City game more, it was pretty much more of the same from what Dan mentioned uh, of, of what we saw at Goodison Park, and, and that's really unfortunate, and it's really frustrating as well. I think when you look at the main players in this league, you look at the big teams... Arsenal have been relatively fortunate with, with the time frames in which they've played them. You know, you, you play Chelsea when they're in a bad run and they're still exploited playing forward and back. Least. Exploited that, yeah, absolutely. But then Tottenham again, no Deli Alley. I think Vertonghen was out as well or, or, or Alderweireld. And again, we, we just didn't really manage to exploit it properly. The same thing happened, um, of, of course, against Manchester City. No Aguero, no Gundogan, no Fernandinho. And... Unfortunately, the second half performance was, was similar to the one that we, we witnessed at Goodison Park. It wasn't really good enough and it meant that it was another uh, frustrating trip up to the northwest for the fans and the players. And going back to another of the, the similarities between the two defeats, obviously ahead and then falling behind in the second half, not being able to get back onto parity. This whole concept of being hurried on the ball, having an opponent that really nips around your heels and gets into your face uh, and takes the onus to you. Mm. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, Arsene Wenger's spoken a lot about his team's character this season. And, and to be fair to the, to the team, I think they've really shown it at times. But maybe it was missing a little bit, especially in the last two games, particularly uh, at Manchester City, where I just felt that when City got level, the momentum of that game just completely swung and there was nothing Arsenal could do to change it. You know, they couldn't get Alexis on the ball. Uh, City were pushing them so back so far back deep into their own half and, and Arsenal were just losing the ball every single time and, and that's really unfortunate it's really frustrating because Arsenal have got the players in that final third who can punish any team in the world and we saw that in the first half but in the second it, there just wasn't enough of that there wasn't enough intensity I felt to the play and, and interestingly Arsene Wenger actually said that the team looked a bit tired physically um, and I, I think that certainly showed through in the second 45 on Sunday okay, well, Nick, Sorry Ross do you think Nick uh, and Ross for that matter that you, you mentioned the tiredness there and we've not seen as much rotation, have we, for the Premier League games as we have done in previous seasons. I, I just think maybe 
that could be a factor. You know, Alexis plays every single game. Mesut's been playing every single game in the Premier League, obviously, in the full 90. We've not seen as much rotation. Sometimes that's because we haven't had the players to come in. But do you think maybe, in hindsight, he would have mixed things up a little bit more? Yeah, potentially. I think you, when you've got the likes of, of Lucas Perez, who scored that hat yeah, against Basel, exactly. he's barely played since, has he? Giroud um, as well. Hasn't Olivier Giroud, yeah. of, of course, as well. Having said that, with Alexis in the form that he's in, um, I, I don't think it would have been a wise decision to, to have rested him for either of those two games. And I think had Wenger done the same, had Wenger done that, sorry, and the results had been the same, same we'd yeah, all be turning true. around going, well, hold yeah. on a second, why aren't you playing Alexis when he's in the That's form true. of his life? Mm. Um, Perhaps there's an argument to be made in other positions, certainly. Um, there are some players at the moment, your likes of Coquelin, your likes of Jacko, who are having to play every week because Ramsey's injured, because Cazorla's injured as well. Um, and of course, the back four, you don't really want to change too much. Again, with, with no Shkodra and Mustafi there. Um, it's an interesting Strange point, though, Dan. Because, 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 you know, you mentioned Perez played really well at Basel. Kieran Gibbs had a great game at Basel. And I'm not suggesting that you know, Nacho Monreal or, or others have had a huge dip. It's just when you talk about fatigue, you talk about tightness, then this is where squad rotation comes in. And Giroud's an interesting one. He's got a great record against Man City, four goals in his last four appearances prior to yesterday. And you could still keep Alexis in the side. You could shut him out to the left-hand side where he has been effective for Arsenal before. And you look at Kolarov and Otamendi at the back for Manchester City. If City are gettable, surely it's that back four that, you know, doesn't scream quality or consistency. And as you mentioned before, it, it, it just comes, it feels like a chance missed a little bit against Manchester. Yeah, absolutely. But I think if you, if you look at that, that first half, um, I felt Alexis was, was very effective. He dropped deep as he yeah, always does. He set assist. up the first goal for Walcott in a way that uh, Giroud probably wouldn't have done. I mean, True. Giroud's got a lot of qualities, but I'm not sure that, that coming back into that number 10 position and playing it to the, the guys in front of him are perhaps uh, one of his best strengths. So, second half, I, I'm not sure you, you can blame that on, on having Alexis through the middle because the problem was getting the ball up upfield anyway. And when Giroud did come on... Um, Otamendi and Kolarov, I felt actually shackled him pretty well, particularly in the air. OK, let's get a couple of bits of post-match reaction to that game then. Peter Cech making a couple of important saves, but unfortunately not enough to stop Arsenal going to that very important defeat, or so it may prove. Uh, let's get Cech's thoughts post-match. Well, I think what changed was the, the early goal uh, in the second half. I feel it gave them a lot of confidence and obviously having been 1-0 down at half-time uh, for them, you know, they, had to, they had to come back out, uh, out and and put us under more pressure and unfortunately they, they managed to score the first goal and uh, I thought that they give them confidence and, and they uh, they press us a little bit more but uh, you know I thought that we were pretty much in control of, of the game even second half when they had more position but uh, you know we we couldn't hold on to it you know the second goal obviously changed uh, changed everything because they then they had the advantage and they could defend well and wait for the counter-attacks, which is very dangerous. Well, we are very disappointed with the whole week. Obviously, we had two games away and we wanted to have as many uh, points possible and, uh, and we have none. So, I know we are very disappointed with that and, and we gave, uh, we gave uh, the other teams uh, on top uh, advantage. But, uh, you know, there's a long way to go and now we have to come back, uh, ideally win the next game and then uh, carry, you know, get on the run and then everything can happen. So, you know, we need to concentrate on, on ourselves, go, go and back to, to winning games and then we will see what, what the others will do. The views there of Arsenal's goalkeeper. What about the boss himself? Here's Arsene Wenger. Just terrible because we didn't look like we could lose this game, you know, and in the second half uh, we come out straight away, we conceded an offside goal 
and uh, it's not enough because after we concede another offside goal and uh, I think it's uh, unacceptable to lose games like that is for us to uh, in recent uh, weeks we have been absolutely punished by wrong decisions and uh, but we can only look at ourselves I think we dropped physically as well in the second half and uh, uh, maybe the equalizer gave them some courage you know and uh, we dropped came back in the last 20 minutes but they killed the game well you know they stayed down uh, they have a lot of experience and we had to to live with that but I'm uh, of course extremely disappointed but we have to respond to the horrible week and, uh, but as well some horrible decisions. The gap is now nine points, the home form now becomes crucial. Of course, uh, let's uh, focus on the next game, you know, we have uh, we had a very disappointing week. Uh, we have played four times out of five away from home and uh, we have to respond, uh, recover physically and respond quickly. Well, Arsene Wenger pretty candid there, but also trying where possible to look at the positives. And, and Dan, one of the other issues is various new injuries to add to the mix as well. That option to rotate and freshen, it's not that prevalent and that obvious in certain key areas now. No, and, and this has been the problem. We just touched on it before. Suddenly, the, I don't want to say there's lack of options. It's just we, we, we're starting to whittle away at our squad strength all of a sudden. And we've seen it affect other teams as well. This campaign. I mean, Manchester United, for one, when you look at the, the back four that they're playing at, at, the, at the minute, it's certainly not first choice. And this is what you've got to cope with. These are the rigours and the demands and the Premier League. You've got to find a way around it or a way through it. I mean, when you look at the fixtures that are coming up over Christmas, we've got West Brom and, uh, and Bournemouth and Crystal Palace uh, ahead of you know the trip to, to Preston in, in the FA Cup. You'd like to think they're all winner, winnable fixtures. And it's always a chance for players to come in and stake their claim. It's always an opportunity. You've got to see it that way. And I'm sure that those fringe first-teamers who will look to come in and will get opportunities will see it that way. We've got to cut our cloth accordingly uh, and hope and believe that we can get through it. OK, Nick, from what we've just heard there from Dan, how would you assess then this double defeat? Is it a mortal blow, knockout punch, or, or a body blow and a setback that can still be resolved and Arsenal can still prevail through this and possibly yet win the league? Well, we're only in December, so it, it's not a knockout blow at all. I think it's a body blow. Um, it's, it's quite a big body blow, but it's one that the team, I feel, can deal with. You know, we've mentioned these games coming up. Um, there's six very winnable games. Um, and also, look, nine days ago, Arsenal were on top of the Premier League. We're all on, on top of the world thinking, you know, this could, this could be the season. So it's too early, I think, to write the team off. There's a long way to go, a lot of football to be played. Um, but what will be important is, is how we deal uh, to these setbacks and how we come back from them against West Brom on Boxing Day. Let's not look ahead uh, too much at, at the other five. Let's just deal with the next game, try and win that and, and move on and close the gap. And Dan, one possible concern for me of, of all the things we've discussed is with those who were injured just trying to get the right balance in, in normally the two players that sit in that deep line midfield role, trying to get the right balance there. Yeah, and, and you know, there the have been options in the past and th there's not as many options that we've had, obviously, now. And it is getting the balance right. And Arsene Wenger will probably not change the system that he's got because we know he plays in a certain way and he'll, and he'll, and he'll always do that. And he, he won't change things around in terms of the way that he plays, but there is enough quality throughout there. And as, as Nick was pointing out, you know, we're still in December here. We're all too quick, you know, ourselves included, to 
to, to damn defeats and, and suggest it's the end of the world. And I know supporters get down about it. We all do. Uh, but there's an awful lot of football to play. I know it's a cliche, but, you know, I know that, that Chelsea are playing well at the moment and they're winning an awful lot of games on the spin and uh, they've got relatively easy features coming up over the next couple of match days. But let's not forget they were hammered at Emirates Stadium and at that stage we thought there's no way that this team is going to challenge for the title. We all thought they're not even going to finish top four. Things can can turn around quickly. We can't get too down about it. I'm sure we'll get the squad strength. We have got the squad strength to, to make it through. And I don't think there's that much of a concern that we'll be challenging. If this happened in March, then it's a different question. But as Nick pointed out, this is December. We've got a busy period coming up, points to collect. We've got players who can step up and hopefully prove their worth. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that, you know, come through this period into January... Uh, an FA Cup third round and beyond and will be, you know, sitting probably off the pace, yes, but still within touching Wise and hopefully prophetic words from Dan and, of course, from Nick as well. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us as ever on the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, left-back Kieran Gibbs is one of Arsenal's longest-serving players now and was handed the captain's armband in this season's EFL Cup campaign. He's been speaking to Arsenal media's Chris Harris about his pride in leading the team. Just want to finish off, Kieran, and mention about the captaincy because you had the armband um, this season. What does that mean to you and, and what does it do to drive you forward? Yeah, well, obviously I've been at the club for a long time now, so it's, um, it's just an honour to be part of, of that group of players that have led the team out and um, something that, you know, every, everyone wants to do, every, every kid wants to do. and um, it's, a, it's a lot different than... than uh, on the day, being being captain and like being just a, not the captain, because you have to be first everywhere and make sure everyone's ready and stuff. So um, obviously that extra responsibility, like the first time you do it, is a bit different. Um, 
but no, thoroughly enjoyed it and um, yeah, I loved it. Does it change the way you are on the pitch as well? Um, I mean, not for me really. I don't like, uh, I will only speak, I speak when um, I need to tell someone, give someone information or give someone a little boost when I can and stuff like that. I don't really, I haven't, the games that I've played as captain, I, I felt like it's the same for me. Are you a big talker generally or do you, uh, are you a bit quieter on the pitch? Um, on the pitch, if there's a if there's a break in play and stuff, and um, I feel tactically we need to change something, I'll tell the player. Like I'll say something to someone. Um, I mean, I like to. I feel that we can we can always improve on like speaking to each other on the pitch. I mean, everyone can, but yeah, I mean it's something that we want to improve on as well because it just it can only benefit the team. And it's Adams, put through by Bold! Would you believe it? Or oh, Charlie George, who can hit him. Oh, lovely goal! It's up for grabs now! Thomas! Right at the end! On the 21st of December 1991, Arsenal beat Everton 4-2 at Highbury, with Ian Wright scoring all four of the Gunners' goals. The Swedish international then to take the corner that he earned himself. And it's turned in by Ian Wright for an equaliser, which is an instant response from Arsenal. They've been behind for barely a minute. And the set-piece did the trick. Everton couldn't cope with it at the near post. And off Wright's body, and in. Beardsley. Limpar had held his position, looked along the line to stay onside. Clinical goal for Arsenal, but right again. No complaints from Everton as to whether the linesman was correct in his judgment here. They've accepted the punishment for playing too square at the back. And Limpar attacking at speed, but looking up, that was the crucial thing, to see where Wright was. He found him and he found the back of the net. Dixon. Well, to get the pass away, and what a dangerous pass it's turned out to be. Limpar and Wright has struck home a hat trick for Arsenal. A terrific first half here at Highbury, but Limpar is leading Everton a merry dance. He's set up all three for Ian Wright, and it's 3 2 to Arsenal. Smith, always aware of the positioning of other players and in this game all the Arsenal team aware of what Limpar can do he really is in an impish mood it's the same story Limpar to right goal for Arsenal four of them now well Ian Wright will grab the headlines for a marvellous showing of opportunism but Limpar has been the perfect provider. And as Limpar set up all four of those goals and Wrighty quick to acknowledge him post-match. That was down to Anders, all, all of them really. Uh, he put all four of them on a plate for me. You know, uh, I just had to get in the box and be there, you know, and he'd done well for me that day because I didn't play particularly well. You know, I didn't play well at all and uh, he'd done well for me, Anders. 
Ian would go on to score 185 goals in 288 Arsenal appearances and was the club's all-time record goal scorer prior to a certain Thierry Henry. The Chalkboard with Adrian Clark. Well, Adrian Clark joins me at the chalkboard. Clarky, uh, full of festive cheer, getting ready for the big day. How's well, it going? On track? Uh, kind of, kind of on track. Yeah, a little bit of a setback, wasn't it, at the weekend? That's that's put a uh, sort of Christmas cheer on hold. Bit of bit of a downer, but we'll pick ourselves up, and uh, hopefully, yeah, the festive period will bring about some some wins, some points, and we can we can all move on. So turkey and trimmings on Christmas Day, followed by a hat load of points. That'll do nicely. Talking of which, our question on the chalkboard. West Brom, talk about that in a moment on Boxing Day. Mm. Then I'm just going to list you all of Arsenal's opponents from there across January in the Premier League. Crystal Palace, Bournemouth, Swansea, Burnley, Watford. No disrespect to any of them, mm. but non-pushing for the title or the mm. top four, you'd have thought. There's 18 points up for grabs mm. there and 18 very viable points. How yeah. many do you think they'll get? I think we will get... 16 out of 18. I'd say that I say you're probably bound to pick up one draw along the way. Maybe Bournemouth away is a, is a tricky game, um, but but it's, it could be 18. It could be six out of six. I, I'd see no reason why not. I actually think the next two could be among the or the next three could be among the trickier. A because it's really hard for every team when you play back-to-back -back games in such a short space of time. So you have to rotate. Um, it's hard for other teams as well, by the way, so it's not just us. But I do think Palace are showing a lot... Uh, well, they need to show a bit of fight. West Bromwich Albion are in decent form. They really are. They're, they're, and, and their strength set pieces is a mild concern. And Bournemouth, even though they were beaten by Southampton in their last home game... Uh, they're no mugs, are they? So, um, so no, I, I, I'm confident it'll be at least 16, but we might have one or two little minor scares and frustrations along the way. And that is probably the kind of bare minimum haul that Arsenal will need to keep themselves not just in the title race after what's happened the last five or six days, but to be more deep back into it. it well, yeah, they need it. This is simple as that, because Chelsea have stretched their lead. Liverpool don't look like messing up in a hurry. Um, all the other teams are actually picking up wins, aren't they? City, Spurs, United. They've all had a good week, while Arsenal have had a, a really horrible, horrible week, uh, a time to forget. Actually, it's not a time to forget. I think it's a time to learn about yourselves. And, and, and I do hope that the team just analyse where it's gone wrong over the last couple of games and, and so that they can try and avoid the mistakes that they've made in matches moving forward. It's been... Quite a chastening 180 minutes or so for the team, but but they're good enough to bounce back. So to West Brom, we focus the game on the 26th. Um, very good at beating teams in and around their sort of mid-table position and beneath. Mm. Not so great when they play the very best. I think the Man United game proved that, but they've got an awful lot now under Tony Pulis, haven't they? They're much better. Uh, I've never been a Tony Pulis fan. I've written many articles lambasting his style of play um, and, and I think it's been a really frustrating period actually for Baggy's fans because they've just not been entertained it's been so defensive and but and this is the big but he has brought in a bit more quality this season and he's actually having the bravery to use some of the guys that have got creative juices I'm thinking of Nasser Chadley uh, Matty Phillips has come in um, Darren Fletcher is not a bad player he's, he's, he was a good acquisition um, Rondon is a class centre forward so he's added players that, that can create goals out of nothing he's, he's brought in uh, Morrison in from the cold I think he's, he's an underrated player on the ball so 
So I'm not going to apologise to Tony Pillars, but, but I think he has changed his ways a little bit. Um, and, and for that reason, they've climbed the table. They've got more three-point hauls than they ordinarily would do. Well, if Tony's listening, Tony, I'm sorry on Adrian's <laughs> behalf, if nothing else, at least, if he's trying to use this podcast for a bit of inside knowledge. Um, at the back, you've got kind of these veterans, haven't you? And, you know, the likes of Jonas Olsen, they're, they're solid players, Gareth McCauley, and they just know what to do in these kind of situations if selected. Yeah, well, they're very organised. They don't make that many obvious mistakes. They'll sit deep because they have to. They're not very quick. So it's important that Arsenal don't fall into the trap. I actually think, as, as much as I've just praised West Bromwich Albion for their attacking style this season, I think when they come away to Emirates Stadium, I can only see a narrow back four defending deep with bodies back in numbers. So, so I don't think we should expect something radical. Evans is the pick of the bunch. I think Johnny Evans is a really good player. I think Olsen's just a weakling. I think McCauley... He has his good and bad days, and and, and the Craig full Dawson are quite like. yeah the fullbacks I think are get attable because um, they're not especially mobile, but they they're, they're solid defenders. Neom and Dawson are, are, are good at defending, but if Arsenal can move them around, get one v ones, isolate them, we can have a field day. United had a lot of success in those areas. Okay, so that's a good look at what West Brom bring to the table. I'd add a good goalkeeper in Ben Foster in there as well. Yes. Um, what could they do to potentially hurt Arsenal, particularly in light of what we've seen with the, the way the Everton and Man City games panned out, particularly in the second halves? Yeah, I mean, we, we haven't dealt brilliantly with crosses in recent matches, that is for sure. And West Bromwich Albion deliver good crosses. Uh, in Chris Brunt, who's back from injury in recent weeks, well, actually, I don't think it's a coincidence that their improvement has come about since he's returned. Got one of the best left foots in the Premier League. Not a lot of people talk about Chris Brunt, but he can hang across into the box more accurately than most. And um, he did it to good effect uh, in the recent game against Swansea. Rondon scored a couple of headers. Um, and his set pieces are, are fabulous. And that is a concern for me, because Arsenal... Not a, big, not a big team. And they will swing set pieces into the six-yard box. Well, it's nothing fancy. There's nothing clever about it. They literally fizz it underneath the crossbar and crowd that area with big fellas. Arsenal have got to deal with it, and they've got to really concentrate hard. I think, actually, the best way to deal with it is to avoid giving free kicks and corners away at all costs. Kick the ball out for a throw-in if it's 50-50. If it's do not give away cheap corners because uh, they're very, very dangerous. OK, so with all of that in mind, then, what would be your key head-to-head -head battle? Well, yeah, I think there'll be some really interesting head-to-head ba -head battles, actually, um, in that area, at set pieces. I think I'm looking at the need to keep Rondon quiet um, and I'm going to pick out Gabriel against Rondon because Gabriel, I don't think he's done a lot wrong, particularly, but all eyes are on him because since Mustafi has got injured, the team has lost a couple of games. And I think he's under a little bit of pressure to, to produce a commanding performance. And, and Rondon's dangerous. He's a good all-round centre-forward. He, he can run the channels. He can score in the air. He's got a little trick up his sleeve. Holds the ball. Gabriel and Koscielny, but I'm talking about Gabriel, they need to deal with him very, very carefully because if they switch off, lose concentration, Arsenal will concede a goal... And in the current climate, that's not going to be ideal. So, so it's a big battle. Is there an argument to play Rob Holding in this game? No, I don't think, I don't think there's any need to drop Gabriel. Okay. I don't think he's done anything to warrant that. But all eyes are on him. Okay. Uh, so, uh, yeah, he, he needs a good game. In a sentence, Adrian Clark, how do you beat West Brom? Well, you beat West Brom by showing fight. 
above all else, um, you have to battle. It's an old cliche, win the battle first and the quality will shine through. It applies to most matches. Uh, and Arsenal haven't won the battle in the last couple of games, not physically, not mentally. They've got to win that first and foremost in this game. And if they do, they'll be too good. Having been lambasted in person on regular, regular occurrences for his rather dubious attire, some of the things he said, done, you name it, the Arsenal Weekly podcast producer Liam Roberts has decided to hide away and join us on the phone this week. I can't really blame him, Clark, can you? <laughs> no, not at all. Well, a man that we normally like to have a little bit of cajole, a bit of jake, a bit of fun with in person is the Arsenal Weekly podcast editor Liam Roberts. Colourful attire. Some witty repartee. Liam has ducked out of the firing line. He can't face the banter face-to-face. It's a no-show. So he's hiding behind a telephone line. <laughs> Liam, what's Morning, going on, fellas. Hey, yeah, it's the, uh, the glamorous life of a podcast producer. I'm currently fixed in new doors on my house. So <laughs> Living the dream, ready. Liam. But Living you are dream. clothed. Yeah, this is my life now. This you are clothed, life. I trust. Um, half close. <laughs> <laughs> Liam, tell us more. Tell us what's going on with our ongoing competition. Okay, so this was the last one before the Christmas break. Um, going into it, Russ, you had a one-point lead. Um, I asked you guys last week, double game week, how many times would Alexis and Ms. Ozil pass to each other? Yeah. And um, yeah, um, Adrian, you said? 29, I think. Yeah, and Russ, you said? I think I said 23. That sounds about right. Um, the exact number, it was in the 20s, so you're both, you're both close. It Ooh. was 29. Oh! Adrian Clark pulls it out of the bag. Amazing. Nailed it. You've got a, a Hail Mary, you've got a three-pointer. He's <laughs> got the Holy Grail. Oh, look. After, oh, no. After the disappointment of the Manchester City and Everton defeats, I've, I, I can't lie, that has just lifted my spirits no end. Oh, um, my God, I'm behind for the first time all season and it's for two or three weeks to ponder and, oh, God, I've got a Christmas period of being behind. Right, yeah, come on then, what's so the next challenge? The, no, we're actually going to take a break now. So, um, Adrian, you can enjoy this for a couple of weeks. <laughs> so, um, Merry Christmas. That's, uh, that's, that's our present to you. Oh, it's going to be bitter turkey, sour pudding for me. Oh, <laughs> Just deal with it, Russ. Come back Flat stronger. Flat New Year. Flat champagne. Come back stronger in 2017. Oh, well, good, mate. Oh. Clarky, look forward to being uh, alongside you in the commentary box, of course, for that West Brom game. Yeah, have a good Christmas. Likewise. Well, that's full time on this week's show. Our thanks to Kieran Gibbs, to Dan Roebuck, Nick Bromsack and to Adrian Clark for their contributions today. Remember, you can subscribe on iTunes, leaving us a five-star review in the process. You can find us on Acast these days as well, so you've never got the excuse to miss another episode. We're back on Wednesday, the 28th of December. But until then, it's bye for now. And come on, you got us. The Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 